0: This is the non-microwave truth brought to you by Time of Grace and I am C.L. Whiteside. This is a podcast that's going to challenge culture's truth and perspective and we're going to get into our first world problem right away today. In this day and age, if Jesus was here in our culture, in our world, would Jesus be tatted? Tattoos were once taboo and frowned upon and people kind of looked at it like, that's something only people on a motorcycle or in a gang would get. Like I could see Jesus with a tattoo of one, two, the 12, like you get it. No, he probably wouldn't. But I saw something that said like 30% of Americans have tattoos. And the reason I thought maybe Jesus will get a tattoo is because he did a lot of taboo things in his day and age. He ate with the sinners. The people he associated with weren't the, the cleanest or the nicest or the most politically correct, but he did that. And his disciples, they had careers of using their hands before they were disciples. I mean, a good portion of them, at least, were fishermen, so they used their hands. How many of the disciples do you think would be tatted, have something like a 12 on them? One, two, you know, like 12 disciples? Because I always joke around with people that Jesus was the first gangster. And I'm just joking. He wasn't. But he was treated like the first gangster. He was treated like a thug. There were a good number of people in higher positions who frowned upon him, or I should say frowned upon the things that he did or who he associated with. And if you are thinking something like uh, Jesus would have got the tattoo, John 3, 16, I highly doubt that because Jesus was fulfilling the New Testament and they were writing about him after he died and rose from the dead. But yeah, I mean, he could do that because he's God. But yeah, I don't think he would have a New Testament scripture tatted on them it would have to be some old testament stuff or or something else and that is our first word problem question today of course we don't know the answer to this but what do you think if jesus was in our day and age today would he have a tattoo and how many of his disciples do you think would be tatted and i know some people are thinking about turning to leviticus 19 verse 28 which says do not cut your bodies for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourselves i am the lord and that's where I'm like, I kind of think Jesus would because he would be fulfilling the New Testament and showing them. And this would be something that the Pharisees and the Sadducees of today's world, because I'm talking about today, would be up in arms about. Be like, oh, my gosh, Jesus has a tattoo. Look at him. He's Satan. He is Satan. And just so you know, the big reason God said that to the Israelites back then is because he wanted them to separate themselves from the heathens, from the people that were not Israelites and were living a devilish crazy sinful worldly type of life but you you get that enough of that instagram or twitter i would love to hear from you on this one my handle is champion life 23 would jesus have tattoos And how many of the disciples do you think would be tatted in today's world and this is our first world problem it is dinner time The title of our episode today is Rule Number One, Show No Love, Love Will Get You. This sounds like a gangster mafia type episode, right? But no, this is actually going to be a three-part series. I started to call this series Tatted, but instead I went with Rule Number One, Rule Number Two, Rule Number Three to kind of give it that that mafia, that tough feel to it. But what I'm thinking or or why I chose this series is because there are three different Bible passages that I have tattooed on my arm. And my tattoo, it is a picture of the sun and in the sun rays, it has three different Bible passages. And each episode, we're going to dissect one of those Bible passages that I have tatted on me. So my tattoo has the sun and then in the sun, it has like a scale and on one side of the scale, it has the world and on the other scale, it has the Bible and the Bible is pulling the world down to let me know that I should prioritize that. And it's the sun beaming on it. And then under the sun that has a scale in it, I have an angel which says, Bless be the man who stands strong. I look at that as like the angel that God has assigned to protect me each and every day. A little half sleeve, you know, some light. But this first passage that we're going to look at, the first passage that I have tatted on me, or that we're going to go through in this series is from 1 John 2, chapter 15. And it says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the father is not in them. And like I said, this passage is tattooed on me for for those reasons. But then I really start thinking about it again, because the other day I used this passage to audition for the verse of the day on the Bible app. You know how you have your Bible app and people pop up on there and they have the Bible passage and then you click on the video and the person breaks down what that Bible verse means. I try to do that. We'll see what happens, though. And when I was breaking down 1 John 2, verse 15, I started thinking like right away that people might get confused because when you say do not love the world, it's like, what is he talking about? Because God clearly says in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. And if we start thinking about how much God tells us to love our enemies, love our neighbors who are part of the world, what is John talking about in this passage? And when I was looking at it again, it's like, oh, yeah, reminding myself, John is talking about worldliness. He's talking about like fame and glory and, and the lust of our flesh, the lust of our eyes, the pride of life. He's not saying something like you can't love people and love God. We know loving people is loving God. But he's talking about you can't love this worldliness. You can't love the sin of this world. You can't love the darkness. And just looking at our culture, there are so many groups who oppose God and his word. Some of them are super blunt with it and they're in our face. And then some of them are like super slick and they give us those half truths and they mix up a lot of stuff. And you're like, Oh, that is good about them. But then you look at things like, Oh, that's really, really bad. And they're like, no, it's all the same. It's all the same. So you got some who are blunt and in your face with it. And you got some who are sly like a serpent. But regardless, we have a ton of groups who oppose God and his word. And since the fall of Adam and Eve, Or maybe we could even say the reason that Adam and Eve ate the fruit from the tree is we have been enamored with trying to bring heaven to earth. We have been enamored with trying to make ourselves gods, trying to get every single pleasure we possibly can. And, you know, a lot of people will say it's so much worse and so much more evil than it was back then. It's probably not. But we do have things that's just flat out sinful. But they had stuff back then that was flat out sinful. Like I bet you they had a Mardi Gras forever, ever. Some form of Mardi Gras for thousands and thousands of years. Women getting naked. Women shaking their rump. Flashing people. People getting drunk. Having sex with any and everybody. That's been around forever. Sodom and Gomorrah. The times of Noah. Yeah. Same things, different times. Now, something that has clearly changed since the beginning times to now is that God put a cap on how long we live. You know, back then people were living six, seven, eight hundred years. And that just made me think that we should have an emphasis on not loving this world because we are not going to be in this world forever. Like we shouldn't be seeking death, but we shouldn't fear it. But just like then, to this day, we still love to chase comfort. We still love to chase pleasure. We still love to make this world our home. But this world is not our home. Like we love this world so much that we act like we want to be here forever. And I never want to die. But the fact of the matter is, God has not designed us to be here for forever. We only get maybe 100 years tops now. And since the fall of men, the world system is jacked. The world system is based on sin. And the worldliness of this world is designed for us to only focus on this world and to love the pleasures and chase the comfort of this lifetime. But on this episode of Rule Number One Show No Love, Love will get you. In this case, killing your relationship with God, we have to look at the Tower of Babel, because that First John two passage, loving the world, this is exactly what it's talking about. This is the exact mentality that our ancestors, our great-grandfathers and great-grandmothers had, and it's still today. It says, "Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there." Now, if you go back to Genesis chapter nine, verse one. God told them, he told them, fill the earth. And I can tell you this, the earth was more than just this plane that they happened to find. It continues on. It says, they said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They use brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. And let's stop right there. I got to point out something. This is the same thing we do today. We think we can outsmart God and the people of this time thought they could too. So when, they, when it says that they had tar and mortar instead of stone, they thought that they could make something strong and waterproof. And you're like, what's the point of making it waterproof? They just had a flood, a worldwide flood. So they think they're so smart that most likely they were thinking, you know what? If God wants to send a flood again, we'll be ready this time. Because last time our grandparents and ancestors, they weren't ready, but we're smarter than them. So we're not going to be inconvenienced and we're not going to have our fun messed up. I'm just guessing. I can at least say I know that's how a lot of people think today. Continue on reading. It says, then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we might make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered over the face of the earth like we're supposed to. I added that part, the like we're supposed to part. And what really gets us is the world gives us this message. It gives us this philosophy that. You know what? Sinning is okay if you're earthly winning. Like how many things do we say we have good intentions behind, but it clearly goes against God's word. I just want to find love. So it doesn't matter if I love him or her or bro, this feels so good. I know God said, wait, but Ooh, I can't do it. can't do it. We're to the point that if something is illegal, and we enjoy it. We just say, you know, what? it should be legal. And we say, hey, it ain't hurting anybody. So I'm going to keep doing it. Let's get back to the Tower of Babel, though. Verse five, it says, but the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speak in the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they will not understand each other. Now, I wonder, was there some sarcasm with that? Because, of course, God can stop us from doing anything. But when he said, you know, one common language, they begin to do anything, it's going to be impossible for them. I don't know. But what I did take from that for sure is that that one common language made them unified to rebel against God. And that was something he definitely was like, I need to stop. Verse eight says, the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth and they stopped building this city. That is why it is called Babel, because the Lord confused their language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. And this, this is exactly what John is talking about in 1 John 2 verse 15. When he's talking about don't love the world because you can't love the father. Then They love the world so much. They love the fame and the glory and the status and the idea of I could reach the heights of God like I can get to God's status that they had this community there that wanted to rebel against God and try to be God and not need God. And we lie to ourselves and say, Ooh, I'm never like that, but we are, we are, we might do it in more subtle ways. But what we see right here is the world and sinning. That's a straight enemy to God. And there's a straight battle with God when you break it down like that. And that's why we can't love both. We don't even realize we're giving our time and our attention and essentially being on the the dark world's team or side because when we're getting a name for ourselves or we're getting fame or we're getting money or we're getting promotion or we're getting elevated and we know we're sinning, we oftentimes overlook our sin. We will overlook our disobedience in the quickness. In exchange for immediate pleasures. That's that I got to have it now. Or I just got to have it, period. Like, doesn't matter how I get it. And on this episode of Show No Love, Love Will Get You, you might not be able to relate to building or trying to build a building to the heavens just so your name is remembered. So you got to think about what is your vice? Are you trying to become financially stable? So maybe you cutting corners. Are you showing love to a man who thinks like this world and you giving him the goods and what's really being killed is the relationship with the one man that you actually need, which is Yeshua, aka Jesus. Are you showing love to fun? So you dipping and dabbing in some worldly fleshly stuff. And like I said, this world and what it's about is at war with God and what he's about. If your focus is only on this world, and your intent is only on maximizing your time here, and you don't care about the afterlife, you don't care about eternal life, you're definitely going to start being like, this is my home. And you're automatically going to abide by the rules of this home, which is this world. And the rules of this world have been messed up since the fall of man, and they go against God's word. And I'm going to break it down like this. We are in a relationship with God. God wants a monogamous Relationship one on one. Now, the other person, which would be the world, they just want to mess up your relationship with God. That's all they want to do. They know they can't offer what's best for you. The world is like that kind of cute girl who's like, hey, how you doing? You can come over here and have a good time. And then you go and you have a good time. And then as soon as you had a good time, you realize that good time wasn't free and that good time came with some consequences. I'm going to leave that to your imagination, though. And what makes this tough or what gives us gray area in life is that we are trying to make life better. And God has given us talents. He's given us intelligence. He's given us things to to make life better for ourselves. And when you can advance technology and you can have advancements in medicine and advancements in health and advancements in life, all of a sudden that making it easier and comfortable and and faster equates to better. But the trick is trying to make it be so you don't need God. That's where the world tries to get us like, oh, you don't need God because you're that smart, you're that intelligent. And that's a microwave truth because we can start to fall in love with getting better at the cost of giving God less, desiring him less, obeying him less, and ultimately believing in him less. And again, that's where we start desiring the creation over the creator. And all this stuff we got to look at, too, ultimately can only last so long. Like we cannot take it with us. And that's why some of us are enamored with trying to stay here as long as we possibly can, because we don't trust. We don't know that eternal life is that much better with God, that much better. That is hard for us to comprehend and understand, especially since we are so enamored with the present time and, and the now of life. And on this episode of rule number one, show no love, love will get you killed or at least destroy your relationship with God. I want to give you four application points or four final thoughts for you kind of to to dwell on and to meditate and to think about. The first one being, we definitely can admire the beauty of this world. We can admire the advancements, but don't love sin. Like don't love going against God's word. That is a trap. That is a microwave truth. Winning on this earth can come with a cost of sinning. That can't be the mentality that we adapt, but that's the mentality that's going to be pushed on you a lot. The second point, second thought. Repeat after me. This is not my home. This world is not my home. This world is not your home. The third point is this. Showing love to this worldly stuff is going to kill the trust. It's going to kill my relationship with God. Now. Just think about this. The enemy, the enemy's only goal is to jack up the relationship that we have with God. He does not want us full of the father's love and the world has the power to give you a toy here or there. But it knows it's nothing to compare. Like Satan knows it's nothing to compare with what God can give you in terms of status and notoriety and fame and eternal life. Like it's it's no comparison. And the last thing I have to leave you with is that I've been talking about this like it's a war. It's two enemies fighting. You got to pick one. Now, the thing about picking the world and the world system and the world sin is that the world, it can't win. The world won't win. The world has already been defeated because of Jesus's death on the cross and resurrection. Like nothing they can do about it. They got a little bit of time now to try to make mess some stuff up, but can't win. Ultimately, I've already lost. And I was like, I need to go with the winner, and I need to remember that. Jesus, who loved the father the greatest, I got to be on his team. He knew this wasn't his home. He stuck true to the rule number one, which is show no love to this world and the sin it wants you to be involved with. Because love of the worldliness, that'll get you killed in a spiritual sense. And this is the non-microwave truth. Thanks for joining me on this episode of rule number one, show no love love will get you killed when you're messing with this worldliness but this is the first episode in our three-part series we'll have rule number one rule number two rule number three and we'll go through the different passages that i have tatted on next week we're going to look at a passage from galatians chapter six but in the meantime go ahead share this with a friend if you haven't subscribed do that hit the five star share with a friend Peace, punch, Captain Crunch. Say no to drugs and yes to Jesus. I'm out.